Hello and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers. Today, writer Jake Rawson from our sister site, Mental Floss, shares the incredible and true story of the political activists who brought down J. Edgar Hoover. Just one simple door. That's all that stood between Keith Forsyth and thousands of confidential papers belonging to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Those papers were, potentially, evidence. Evidence that J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI had been illegally spying on private citizens. But Keith Forsyth wasn't a burglar. He wasn't even a lockpicker. He was a cab driver who had rallied against the Vietnam War. And he was now a part of a small, informal assembly that called themselves the Citizens Commission to investigate the FBI. Their plan was to expose Hoover and the FBI's massive breach of power. By the early 1970s, rumors were swirling that the FBI was spying on private citizens. And it was a Pennsylvania professor and well-known activist named William Davidon who seized on the idea that if he could find proof, perhaps this was the opportunity for real political change. Davidon assembled a small team of activists he trusted. There was his lockpicker, Forsyth, as well as married couple John and Bonnie Rains, along with four more co-conspirators. Together, they began to draw up a plan to break into an FBI office. First, they needed a location. Big cities like their home turf of Philadelphia were out. But just 20 miles away, in a town called Media, Pennsylvania, the FBI happened to have a quaint little outpost. It was situated in a nondescript office building that kept bankers hours and was low on security. With the target set, the group spent months learning about the comings and goings of its various office residents. To case the interior, Bonnie Rains tucked her long hair under a cap and posed as a college student inquiring about opportunities for women in the FBI. Once inside, she noticed the filing cabinets were kept unlocked and that the office only had two entry doors. Next, Davidon needed an optimal date. He's wearing red trunks. He weighs 215, undefeated in 31 bouts. Here is... That date was March 8, 1971. While the rest of the country was busy watching Muhammad Ali take on Joe Frazier. Forsyth stepped quietly through the halls of the Bureau's office and media. But when he inspected the lock, something wasn't right. It had been changed since the group cased the building. He went over to the second entrance door and used a crowbar to slowly pry it open. On the other side, a filing cabinet had been moved against it. And when Forsyth began to push against the door, the filing cabinet started to tip over. Realizing that if it hit the ground, it would wake the entire building, he grabbed a jack stand from his car. For the next 20 minutes, he pushed the cabinet slowly along the floor until he could finally get in. With the office open, the rest of the team, dressed conspicuously in business suits, ransacked the office. They filled up as many briefcases as they could, being careful not to leave any fingerprints, and drove to a farmhouse an hour away to assess their goods. What they had was more than they ever could have hoped. 
two weeks after the break-in, Washington Post reporter Betty Metzger was one of several journalists to receive a semi-anonymous package. Inside were 14 pages of photocopy documents detailing the FBI's impropriety. Revelations like, the FBI persistently kept tabs on, quote, militant Negroes. The FBI mandated that every agent have at least one informant leaking information about civil rights groups. In fact, anyone who had written and signed a letter to a newspaper protesting the war was pegged for investigation. Even a Boy Scout troop in Idaho was under surveillance because the scoutmaster may have been planning to take the troop to the Soviet Union. According to one brief, the common goal of the Bureau should be to enhance the paranoia and to make dissenters believe there is an FBI agent behind every mailbox. The Washington Post ran with the story the following day, despite Attorney General John Mitchell imploring them not to. Before long, the national news media was blanketed with irrefutable proof that the FBI had overstepped its bounds. And this was only the tip of the iceberg. In 1973, NBC News reporter Carl Stern discovered the meaning behind a mysterious project called COINTELPRO. This was Hoover's name for the agency's covert domestic spy operations. With this reveal, the FBI was forced to release 50,000 pages of files that were even more incriminating. Today we are here to review the major findings of our full investigation of FBI domestic intelligence, FBI surveillance of law-abiding citizens and groups, political abuses of FBI intelligence, and several specific... In 1976, Congress held hearings to discuss the leak, the first to ever explore the inner workings of a government intelligence agency. What you've described is a series of illegal actions intended squarely to deny First Amendment rights to some Americans. After the hearings, government surveillance was reined in. In 1978, Congress passed the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, otherwise known as FISA, which required a warrant to monitor a private citizen. Despite Hoover putting more than 200 agents on the break-in case, no arrests were ever made. The group stayed silent long after the statute of limitations ran out on their crime. In 2014, some 43 years after their break-in, they finally came out. Their impetus? Edward Snowden. You can't come forward against the world's most powerful intelligence agencies and uh, be completely free from risk because they're such powerful adversaries that, that no one can meaningfully oppose them. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on iTunes, theweek.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you to Jake Rawson for his story and to mentalfloss.com, where you can go for more amazing facts, trivia, and quizzes. 